Welcome to the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Dumas, Texas, featuring biblical teaching and preaching from God's inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word. If you live in the Panhandle area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to see you at First Baptist Church. We meet every Lord's Day for Sunday school at 9 a.m. and morning worship at 10.30 a.m. We also have midweek discipleship opportunities for all ages on Wednesdays. For more information, visit us at fbcdumastx.com. That's fbcdumastx.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Now open your Bible as we explore God's Word together. So we've been looking at what it means for you to be born again. We've been looking at your relationship with God the Father. We're, from this point on, the next two sessions are going to be a lot more practical and so anchor yourself in for that. We're going to talk about, uh, about your relationship with Jesus Christ. And basically, we're, we're in Colossians chapter 1. Basically, we're going to be talking about the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord. Okay? And what the Lordship of Jesus Christ means for you and your church. So, starting in uh, Colossians, uh, we're going to take a look at verse 1. And we're going to continue all the way down through verse 23. So, uh, not quite the whole chapter, but almost. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you just as in all the world. It is also, it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God and truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our fellow bondservant, beloved fellow bondservant, who's a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf. And he also informed us of your love in the spirit. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, heard of what good Christians you are, heard of your love in the Spirit, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself, 
having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach, if indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast, and not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. Okay? So, this is one of the most pointed and beautiful passages ever, talking about the lordship of Christ. Let me state for you succinctly what I mean when I'm talking about the lordship of Christ. It means that there's an organization chart of everything, and Jesus is at the top of it. He is Lord over everything that there is. And this is very important for us. I'm going to go not in the order that the passage talks about these things, but instead in an order that makes sense to me that I hope will be helpful for you. First of all, let's look at verse 18. It says that Jesus is head of the body, the church. Okay, So Jesus is Lord over First Baptist Dumas. And over First Baptist Spear something, Spearman, and over First Baptist Panhandle, and over Paramount Amarillo, and First Baptist Farmersville, and Jesus is Lord over the church. Now, that means that everything that pertains to this church belongs to him, belongs to him. This building belongs to Jesus Christ. The corporate organization belongs to Jesus Christ. The fixtures and furniture and equipment and literature and technological gizmos and the food in the freezer and the refrigerator belongs to Jesus Christ. And the people, every one of them that has been born again is the property of Jesus Christ. You are bought with a price. Jesus Christ is the Lord over this church. Now, I realize that that's not the way that it says it in the deed. And I realize that that's not the way it says it in the Constitution or in Robert's Rules of Order or in whatever else. I realize that in all of those things, it says something slightly different. The deed to the property for this building probably says that a corporate entity named First Baptist Church of Dumas, Texas, is the owner of this property, okay? And yet, you have to be careful not to let our worldly legal necessities dislodge spiritual realities from your thinking. There's a church over in, over in North Carolina. And, you know, they've been around over there for a long time. Uh, longer, longer than we have. And th this church had been formed in the 1700s during the First Great Awakening. 
and uh, it's a little country church out in a holler somewhere. Uh, and, um, you know, they, they had maintained their existence uh, legitimately, not like that church I was telling y'all back there about here just a minute ago, but, uh, but this church, Roxanne, they still had weekly worship services, and they were, they were maintaining their existence. But they'd never been to the park point because they were too far away from town and whatever. It was just wasn't a growing area. They'd never been to the point where they actually had to build on to the building, you know? And so they had made improvements along the way with the building through the centuries, but they'd always just raised cash to do that and just built, you know, where they came and did sweat equity on it. But it came to the point that uh, a, a town had grown up closer to them and they were starting to get some people who would commute in to work in the city who lived out that way and the church started to grow. And when the church started to grow, they needed to add on to their facilities and they needed to borrow money to add on to the facilities. And so they went to a bank and they had a good financial report and everything else and they asked for a loan that wasn't really all that big of a loan. It was something that was an easy approval they were waiting to hear back, and then they found out they had a problem. And here was the problem. The land that the church sat on had been given to the church in the 1700s. And the person who made the original grant of that land granted that land, the ownership of that land, to the Lord God not to such and such Baptist church, but to the Lord God. And the bank said, we're not sure you have clear title. <laughs> and we're reluctant to loan this money to you. And they said, well, what, what can we do? And they said, don't worry. There is a way to resolve this. Here's all you have to do. For four weeks, you need to take out an ad in the city newspaper in which you have to say that the, the pastor and deacons and members of such and such Baptist church are trying to find the Lord God. <laughs> and if anybody knows where he is, that he might take interest in his property, then you can contact our lawyer at such and such phone number. Which sounded pretty bad to them. And they said, well, so, but this is your way out because after you've done that for, for the four weeks, on the fifth week, you need to run an ad that says, after a careful and diligent search, the leaders and congregation of this church have been unable to find the Lord God. And therefore, we're going to claim squatter's rights, possession of this property that belongs to him. And then you're in the clear. Then you can go ahead and you can build your building and loan, borrow the money and whatever else. So... I don't know what they did. I had that story delivered to me, and I don't know what choice it was that they made. But you can see how uh, the legal reality uh, could really get in the way of spiritual truth and the message that they wanted to convey. Um, if I'd been them, I know what I would have done. I would have changed legally the name of the church, run the ads, and then changed the name of the church back uh, is what I would have done. And I think I probably would have changed it to the name of whatever church I didn't like the most, something really close to that. So there is a legal, we live in a world that's got legal realities around it and all that sort of thing. But here, here's the danger of that. 
you can fall into the trap of thinking that you as people have things that you own here when you don't. So I was a pastor young and, um, and, and a little bit after that, when I was 27, I wound up for a little while serving as pastor of my home church, um, as interim pastor of my home church. And the way that worked, uh, our, I was serving as a pastor in Texas, Royce City, and uh, my dad got a diagnosis of six months left to live when I was 27 years old uh, from cancer. And that happened about three weeks after the pastor of my home church announced that God had called him to be a missionary. He was going to Zambia to serve as a missionary. So uh, my home church needed an interim pastor, and my dad needed me. Uh, not just for, and I needed him, honestly. Not just for the time to spend of the time that he had left, but also because my dad had started a manufacturing business, and so there was a transition happening at the family business, and um, and you know those things all get intermingled when you've got family and work and everything put in place together. And so, so I went home and I served as the interim pastor. And um, the the church at that time was in the middle of some dispute because, ironically, this is the only thing I know about First Baptist Dumas is that y'all are moving all your Sunday school classes around or whatever. You're moving. Everything downstairs is moving upstairs, and everything upstairs is moving downstairs, and I don't know. I'm glad I'm not having to do that. Uh, it sounds like a bad episode of HGTV to me, uh, having to do all of that, but, but y'all are doing that. I'm sure you have a good reason. Well, similar thing was happening there. They were rearranging the classes and moving some upstairs classes downstairs, ironically, and some downstairs classes upstairs and whatever. And, um, and a man that I had known all of my life, uh, a man who had given me actually one of my very first jobs other than a family job. I, um, I'm so glad to be somewhere that y'all will know what this is. I got hired to, to chop cotton and hoe soybeans uh, over the course of the summer. And, um, and I tell you, it made a real difference in my life because uh, I went out there to chop cotton in the middle of the summer, and two days in, God called me to preach. Uh, <laughs> that story's not true at all, but it's funny, so I tell it sometimes. Um, anyway, um, so I had worked for this guy. I'd looked up to him all my life. He was a, he was a you know, leader in the church. And um, he got up in business meeting while I was trying to moderate business meeting of my home church of of people who had been the adults when I was in third grade Sunday school or whatever, you know. I'm trying to moderate this business meeting, and he gets up and just comes unhinged about how you can't take us out of our Sunday school classroom. We've been in that Sunday school classroom all this time, and, and, and we're not giving it up to anybody else and, and all that sort of thing. And, and then got into, y'all are just uncaring and mean and... and, and I don't know how God gave me the ability to do this, but I, just, I stopped him. I, I said, hold on. Every square inch of this facility belongs to Jesus. 
and we're going to make decisions together about what we think the best use is for us to make of it according to the goals of his kingdom. And we're not going to insult each other while we're trying to make those decisions. So, you know, sometimes when we forget who really owns it all and who owns us, that can just lead us to really unhealthy things that happen in our church. So, Jesus is Lord over the church. He's the head of the church. Gosh, I don't know if we'll even make it to all the points. But I, 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 I want to point this out to you. There are a lot of ways that this, that this affects things that happen in our churches. Every other bit of authority that happens in the church is only legitimate if it comes from Jesus. So, if you take a look at Matthew chapter 18 sometime, I don't have time for you to turn there right now, unless you're really quick. But Matthew 18, people think about that as the church discipline passage, okay? But one of the things that you'll notice in there, that's where Jesus said, wherever two or three of you are gathered, I'll be there with you. And we, and we think that means that we'll be able to sing and pray and feel this sense of God's presence and whatever else, when if you'll, which is all true. It's just that's not what Matthew 18 is about. It's all true. It's just not what he's talking about there. What he's talking about is this. He's saying when you face hard decisions like booting somebody out of the church membership that you don't like and it's hard to do and you care about that person and their grandma made you apple dumplings and whatever else, and you have to, and you have to make that hard decision, you need to know that wherever a congregation is gathered in my name, I am there with you. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Because I'm telling you, I'm Lord of the church. I'm boss of all of it. I own every bit of it. And I am empowering you as a congregation to make decisions like that. That's why we have church business meetings. Roberts doesn't give you the authority to run things in the church. Jesus entrusted you with doing things like appointing these committees and making decisions that, that have to do with the operation of the church. And so it's important for us to understand when we come into a business meeting in church or, let me get on my thing here for just a second, or when we go to the annual meeting of the Southern Baptist Convention, None of us are voting because we have rights. This is not like American democracy. It's not a place for us to come to and say, well, I've got my interests and I'm going to represent my interests and I'm going to vote according to my interests and we're going to see if my interests outweigh their interests or whatever else. You have no interests. You have no rights. You don't own one-tenth or one hundredth or one one hundred thousandth of the church where you're a member of, Jesus owns all of it. And what's happening when we come and gather for business meeting is that we get an opportunity to affirm the lordship of Jesus as the head of the church. And we do that for two reasons that I think are really important. 
One, because it's a part of discipleship. And the role of the church is to equip the saints for the business of ministry, for the work of ministry. And so when we gather together and when we vote, your vote doesn't change what God's will is, but it does reveal how close you are to God and what his will is. And that's real helpful information to have. And so the whole process, I love this, it's beautiful. The whole, and, and let me tell you, I'm so pro-business meeting, I'm so congregationalist. We have them every month at First Baptist Farmersville because I insist on it. I love it. Because I think it's beautiful, the whole process that we go through of all of us together trying to know what the will of God is. We, we have a, a tribe in Africa that we're paired up with, an unengaged, unreached people. Well, they're not unengaged anymore, and they're, and they're more reached than they were when we started in 2012. But we have a tribe that we go to where we've planted a church, we're sharing the gospel, we're still giving 10% through the cooperative program, we're doing everything that we can with the International Mission Board, Okay. But in addition to that, we decided in 2012, without at all reducing our support through the cooperative program for everything that was happening there, we were going to add on our going to a tribe that was small enough that, that not just Southern Baptists, but nobody had sent a missionary to them. We were going to go try to be the missionary to this group of people. It's a big decision tell you how we did that. We went on a discovery trip, I and a deacon. We came back from that, and he and I, before we even had the business meeting to decide what to do, hear our report, I went to every Sunday school class in the church. I sat down on the short chairs with the three-year-olds and showed them pictures from where we'd been, and talked about how those people needed to hear about Jesus and learn about Jesus, just like they were doing in Sunday school class, but they didn't have a Sunday school class there. Nobody was teaching the children there about Jesus. And that we believed that what we should do as a church is to go there and help them have a chance to learn what they were. And, and I sat in that Sunday school class over the course of several weeks. I sat in that Sunday school class all the way up to the class that you promote to heaven out of there, okay? All the way up to the to the to the oldest senior adult class. Why? I'll tell you why. It's not enough for three of us to know what God's will is for our church and just say, this is what we're going to do. And have everybody else sit back and say, well, they're in charge. I guess they know what they're talking about but because it's a beautiful thing to watch the entire congregation from the three-year-olds to the 103-year-olds move together to say God is speaking to all of us. We all sense the leadership of the head of the church moving us forward in this direction. And now you could run over me with a bus tomorrow there is nothing you could do to derail First Baptist Farmersville on that mission. Because it's not just Brother Bart's idea. And it's not just the missions committee idea. 
Everybody has bought into that. And they all know what the mission of the church is. And so one of the reasons why we make decisions this way is because it's discipleship. It's the work of bringing everybody to, under, to seek together, understand together, and pursue together what the will of the Lord is who owns us all. And another good reason we do that is because some of us are wrong sometimes. And it's a real good check and balance to see if the Spirit of God is actually moving upon a broad number of believers. That because, because I'll tell you, the people group that we're going to, they're not the one I wanted to go to. I wanted to go to a people group called the Ick. And they live up to their name, pretty much. It's pretty rough in southern Uganda, a very war-torn, difficult place. And these were people that BBC broadcasters spent a night with them and said, I've never been more afraid anywhere I've been in the world. I wanted us to go there. And missions committee said, eh, maybe not. And I thought, I thought that they were just cowards. Man up, I said to the three senior adult women who were on the, <laughs> on the missions committee and had reservations about this. And um, I was wrong. The problem was not that they were cowardly. The problem was that I wanted to prove how manly I was. When the fact of the matter is, I know now, I see clearly now that the Lord who owns our church was leading us elsewhere. And I am thankful for members in my church who helped me to see where God was really leading us. So, why do we have business meetings? Because in Matthew 18, Jesus gave some authority just to the gathering of two or three members who didn't have to be pastors or elders or overseers, didn't have to be deacons, didn't have to be Sunday school teachers. They're just the gathered congregation. Jesus gave them authority. But listen, Jesus also has given authority to the people who serve as pastors, elders, overseers in your church. He's given authority to people who are in these church offices. He's given authority to people who are your teachers and your leaders. Jesus advised you, commanded you, <laughs> urged you to obey them. Because they're people who have watch over your souls. Because it's better for you. Both are true. The people God has set apart and put in leadership in your church have authority from the Lord who owns all of it to give leadership to your church and you as a congregation have been entrusted with God with authority to give leadership to your church. How can that be? How, how can there be authority given here and there? Because really all the authority is there. That's why. The only way this system down here turns into trouble is if up there is cut out of the mix. Other than that, what happens is the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. Jesus takes charge. Jesus has chosen to govern his church 
collectively by governing each of you individually. Going to vote about something big? You should pray about that. You should pray about it. Voting on a big expenditure? I don't care if you're the president of the bank. You don't know what the answer is until you've prayed about it. Going to add on something architecturally to the facility? I don't care if you're D.R. Horton. Do you all know who D.R. Horton is out here? Not a clue. Okay, they build houses. It's a big, big company builds houses. So, what should I go with? The guy off of this old house? Tim the tool man Taylor. I don't care. I don't care who you are. You don't know, out of your wisdom, out of your experience, you don't know what the answer is until you have prayed and sought the will of the owner of the church. Jesus Christ is Lord over the church. And the watch is Lord over this lesson. Um, so, Jesus is Lord of the church, but also, very importantly, I just want to mention a few other things that Jesus is Lord over. Jesus is also Lord over you individually. We've talked about how that interacts with the church. It makes the church healthy. Jesus governs the church by governing the members of the church. And so... If you are in rebellion against him, that's one reason why this process of church discipline was so important because if you fill the church with people who are in rebellion against the lordship of Christ and let them have a say in the decision-making of the church, bad things happen, okay? So, so it's important for you. If you, want your church, if you want your church to be a healthy church, be a healthy Christian and try to make sure everybody else around you is a healthy Christian. And that'll help your church to become a healthy church. Um, Jesus is not only Lord over individual believers, not only Lord over the church, Jesus is also Lord over the world around us. Uh, look at what we read here in Colossians, where it says, you know, in verse 16, by him, by Jesus, who's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of creation, by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and, and invisible. So, Jesus is Lord over Niagara Falls. Jesus is Lord over the Mississippi River. Jesus is Lord over the winds and the tornadoes and everything that, that blow by. Jesus is Lord over every natural thing. Um, I get to go for the last... Uh, three years, I've I've gotten to go to um, a pretty neat ev event that one of our seminaries puts on, Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, where they invite uh, they invite a few leading scientists and a few really unintelligent preachers and put them in a room together. I've got to think the reason is to hope that something rubs off, uh, and so. Um, I had kind of a fun exchange. The first time that we did this, I had no intention, no inkling of even being considered for president of the SBC. And the second year we came back, I'd been elected. And uh, we were meeting in New Orleans. And 
sitting next to a lady that I'd gotten to know the year before. We're both from North Arkansas. Jennifer Wiseman's her name. She's the lead project scientist for the Hubble Space Telescope. And she's unbelievably smart. She went from Harrison, Arkansas to MIT. And that is not a pathway beaten down by the footprints of a whole lot of people, I'll tell you. And so, um, so anyway, we're, we come back year two, and they're like, you may have forgotten people, so you need to introduce yourself to each other. And I was sitting right next to Jennifer, because we'd kind of headed off. And um, it came to me, and I said, well, I'm, I'm Bart Barber. I'm a Southern Baptist. I'm a pastor, pastor of First Baptist Farmersville. My wife's Tracy. My children are Jim and Sarah. And I'm uh, very happy to be here. And I wrapped it up at that. And then another guy, Dan Darling, another Southern Baptist who's back there in the back, raised his hand and said, hey, you left something out. Uh, Bart is also the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. Okay. And, um, and he said that, and Jennifer sitting next to me, her jaw fell wide open, and she looked at me and said, Really? And I said, Jennifer, you're not alone. There are a lot of us trying to figure out how on earth that happened. Um, but Jennifer comes and she brings these pictures. I mean, you've seen with the James Webb Space Telescope now and the Hubble Space Telescope, these pictures of galaxies that are millions and millions of light years away from here. And Jesus is Lord over every speck of cosmic dust that's flying around in a galaxy that you could not reach in a billion lifetimes of trying to get there. Jesus is Lord over all of the universe. And also, very important, Jesus is Lord over everybody else who thinks they're in charge. Look at what he says. Whether thrones, verse 16 in the middle of the verse, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Do you know where else Jesus reminded us of his authority over everybody else who thinks they're boss? Right at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, where he said, All authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. And then what did he say coming straight out of that? Go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. The king of Saudi Arabia, who forbids the proclamation of the gospel in that land, has a boss over him. He just doesn't know it. The city zoning council who wants to squeeze out church planting out of that strip mall in New Jersey, 
They have a boss over them. They just don't know it. That teacher in school or that professor in the university who tells people that it's hate speech for them to talk about the gospel, talk about sin, talk about a need for redemption. There's a boss over them. Jesus is the boss of all the bosses. He has authority over everybody else who thinks they're in charge. And what Jesus was trying to tell us is that he has that authority and he's with us always. And so because of that, no matter what anybody else says to us, we can just keep on doing what Jesus tells us to do. Because he's the only ultimate boss that we have. And we should follow him always. You will never, ever go wrong remembering about the lordship of Christ. You have been born again. Because you've been born again, you've been bought with a price. You belong to Jesus Christ. Your job is to follow him. That's why for centuries, dating from the earliest days of the church, all the way down to today, the confession that people have had to make, among whatever else they've had to say, the confession that people have had to make as they were coming into the Christian faith was to say, Jesus is Lord. Don't start this journey without knowing that. And never forget it anywhere along the way. Would it help if I prayed for the food? All right, very good. Father, what a beautiful family of Christ. What a joy and privilege it is to be able to spend some time together with them today. I would have come and done this if there had been no promise of food. But I am thankful for the food nonetheless. We're going to enjoy it. We're going to enjoy fellowship with one another. And we're going to think about the fact that you enjoyed a good meal with your disciples gathered around. And that many, many times it was over a plate of food that you taught somebody something that they needed to know, that you welcome somebody. I think about that alabaster, I can't even say it, alabaster flask of perfume at a mealtime that was come and shed over you where, you where you gave reassurance and acceptance and forgiveness of sins and welcome to someone who had been shoved to the outside. You did that over a meal. And we're about to have a meal together. Some of us who've known each other for a long time and some like me who are a stranger to almost everybody here, but not for long because you knit us together as a family over a plate of shared food. And so we ask that you would do that and bless this mealtime. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about what it means to follow Jesus as Lord, you can email us at fbcdumas at hotmail.com. It's fbcdumas at hotmail.com. You can also reach us by phone at 806-935-5604. We'll see you next time.